yeah, relationship, and that's what we're talking about this morning, the beginning of relationships in Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. Uh, Again, I'm going to probably remind you of this every time we come to Genesis, remind you who specifically Moses was writing for or writing to uh, the, the, Isra- the children of Israel, the nation of Israel, as they wandered and or left the wilderness um, going into the promised land. And he's writing to encourage them. The first five books of the Bible are encouragement, encouragement toward faithfulness, encouragement toward obedience. And, and uh, uh, you're all going to have to look this direction, right, because you, you realize... Nothing's going to happen up there. Uh, if you've been waiting for something, you're, you're waiting in vain. Uh, we had issues with this projector this morning. We'll hopefully get that fixed before next Sunday. It's this message of, of, of God to the people who are feeling abandoned or worried about what's next or uncertain about what's next. Will God abandon them there? Are they making the right decisions, etc., etc.? The the message that He is with them. Two weeks ago, we saw that uh, God brought order out of chaos. So they and we see God can bring order out of the chaos of our lives. Last week, we saw the in the beginning of chapter 2, God bringing provision from this order so that everything that they need, they, Israel, and their wandering or going into the promised land, we in our life situations have everything we need. God will provide everything that we need. And we're going to continue this idea of provision here in just a few minutes. Our memory verse uh, this quarter Uh, She didn't take any other words out, so it's just as easy this week as it was last week. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. That's what we're talking about today. Chapter uh, 2, verses 18 through 25. This is a continuation of the provision from last week. This is all the same chapter, the same Originally, there weren't chapters, but it's the same uh, theme. If, if, you, uh, if your Bible is divided into paragraphs and not verses, then you'll see that verse 18 is probably just the middle of the paragraph in your, uh, your copy of God's Word. And if you don't have one, grab one from underneath the seat in front of you, and you can, you can have that one. But it's the continuation of this theme of provision. God is providing for the garden, uh, for the earth, for creation. It, it says that he is going to, he, is, he put the man in there to tend it. And now he's providing a team to tend it. Uh, we'll talk about this a little bit more, but notice he didn't provide two men. That wasn't the team that was necessary. He provided someone complimentary to Adam who was already there. He's providing for the man. He's providing a companion for the man, a helper for the man, more than an assistant. We'll talk about that more when we get to it. But he is also providing for the woman. He's providing loyalty from the man. He's providing uh, a leadership for the, for the woman. He's providing protection for the woman. And, and the other part of this passage 
is he is setting Moses by the Holy Spirit is setting us up for the spectacular nature of the fall. How everything got messed up. How, how the plan was perfect. How the order and the provision were perfect. And how terribly sin destroys all of that. Which the children of Israel, of course, knew. They knew how sin messed things up. 40 years earlier, if they're now waiting to go into the promised land, 40 years earlier, they had the opportunity to go and everything looked great and it was wonderful and land flowing with milk and honey, but there are giants in the land. Oh no, what'll we ever do? Well, interestingly, God's going to, as we get to Noah, God's going to talk about what he does with people who don't follow him. What he does with people that he needs to judge. What he does when the time comes. They are serving a God who had no concern for the strength of the giants in the land. Only had concern for the obedience of his people. But it's setting us up for what's coming. Setting us up for the punishment of and from the earth. The earth is punished for man's sinfulness. And because, of, because the earth is punished, the earth then turns and punishes us. That's why we have briars and thorns and have to work the ground to keep stuff going. He's setting us up for the, the break in spousal relationships. How things don't go right in those relationships. The idea, the plan was perfect, but sin messed that up. He's setting us up more broadly for uh, the mistreatment of image bearers by image bearers. Why were, was Israel, uh, why were Israelites slave, uh, slaves in Egypt? Because image bearers did not treat image bearers the way God had set it up. Had not done things the way that God planned because of sin. It's, it's an explanation to them, to us, of, of the current circumstances and warning for the future. As they stand waiting to go into the promised land, God is saying, here's what happened. Here's what was. Here's what I can do and what I will do for you. But you have to be obedient. When you go into the land, are you going to trust that I'll provide? Or are you going to turn to other gods? Are you going to trust in yourself? These are all things we're going to see as we move through Genesis especially. We're going to see in, at Babel where they trusted in themselves. We're, we move back further to uh, the people around Noah, and we'll see that they uh, did not follow God. We're going to talk about even a little bit more as they move into the promised land. They didn't. If you want to read some awful stuff about awful people doing awful things to other people, go and read Judges. Just read it from beginning to end. Right, we're going to talk about that a little bit more in a few minutes, but this speaks to this passage speaks to both family and human relationships and how badly off track sin took us just as a very specific example if you don't want to read all of judges though i encourage you to there's some crazy stuff in that book read verse uh, chapters 19 through 21 
just to see how far mistreatment, especially mistreatment of women, can go when left unchecked by sin. And then this passage, among all these other things, speaks to the need for relationships. We need each other. We need other people in our lives. That's the way we're designed. That's the way we're created. And that was the plan from the beginning. And that's our big idea today that we're going to kind of focus on. God has created us with interpersonal need that should lead to interpersonal care. We need each other, and that need should lead us to take care of each other. We see that, again, among a number of other things, in Genesis 2, 18 through 25. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. The Lord God formed out of the ground every wild animal and every bird of the sky and brought each to the man to see what he would call it. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, and to every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found corresponding to him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, This one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she is taken from man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Both the man and his wife were naked, yet felt no shame." God has created us with interpersonal need that should lead to interpersonal care. Just a quick reminder, if you are reading chapter 2 of Genesis and trying to make it match, trying to lay it over Genesis chapter 1, it's not going to work. The, the order is different. Uh, there's some harmonization that can take place, and, and you can, well, this meet was in this part, and this was, but there are other places where it's just a different order. It just says it differently. Now, you can go any number of directions. You can say that chapter one is exactly the way it happened, and then chapter two is doing different things. It's not trying to tell us the order. You can say that chapter two is telling us the order, and chapter one is doing different things. It's not trying to tell us the order. And by order, I mean sequence. I I, I talked a lot about order two weeks ago. I'm not talking about the order of events. I'm talking about sequence. So, you, but you can't say both of them are the same sequence because they're not the same sequence. So something else is going on, and as I said two weeks ago, chapter one is about order, chapter two is about provision. Which one is the correct or the actual sequence? Oh no, not going to worry about it because I don't think it matters. Uh, God created all things, God set all things in order, God provides all things, and one of the things he provided in a very specific, hands-on, literally, way is humanity, man for the garden, and woman for the man. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We begin begin in verse 18 with the purpose of relationships. 
He says, it is, then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. Notice what it does not say. And I think it's important what it does not say. It does not say it is not good that the man has to do all this work by himself. I'll make a helper for him. That's, that's not it. It is not good for the man to be alone. That's why I said earlier, if it was just about a team working the garden, if there just had to be more people to work the garden, God could have created another man or a few more men and said, okay, that's good, that's enough, they can take care of the garden now. But that's not what the purpose was. The purpose wasn't to get enough people to take care of the garden. The purpose, the problem was that man was alone. The only not good in the creation story. Chapter 1, he created it, it was good. It was created it, he, it was good. He created it, it was good. He created man and woman. It was very good. But it was not good that man was alone. There was a problem. And this was decided by God, not Adam. It, as the story is shared with us, it wasn't Adam going around, boy, wish I had somebody like me. But I don't, God. Hint, hint. Christmas is coming up. You know, it's, it wasn't, by the way. <laughs> but my birthday, right? You know, like you created me yesterday, and today is the day anniversary of the day you made me. So it's, should I, what am I going to get? I could use a helper. Not, it wasn't that. It was, it was just God knew that Adam needed somebody else. And it was because, not the, because the work was too great, it was because loneliness and loneliness and being alone has never been good. Yes, introverts, unite together in your own homes, away from everybody else. I get it. You know, I understand that we don't want to be around people some of the time, a lot of the, most of the time. But loneliness... And being alone for a little while are two different things. None of us need or want loneliness. Most introverts, we just want our people. We don't want everybody, we just want a few of you. Sorry, everybody else, but there's just a few of us we really want. And I say we, because yes, that's me. But loneliness isn't good. It is not good, God said. For man to be alone. So, he says, I will make him a helper. A helper. That word, when your dad working on the car and your seven-year-old, six-year-old, five-year-old wants to help, what does he or she get to do, dads? Tell me. There's only one thing, really. Hand you the tools. I didn't even get to do that because I didn't know what the tools were. Hold the light. That's exactly right. Not there. Here. No, don't look at your face. No, don't. You, not the, nope, not the bugs. Here, right here. Point it right here. Hold the light. That was what I got to do. As you get older, yes, it's hand me the screwdriver. No, not that one. The Phillips said. The Phillips, the, the, the star. No, not that star. This other star. Right. Okay. That is not what God was creating for the man. It was not somebody to hold the flashlight, to, to get me the rake. I got to rake the garden. Go get the rake for me. 
I, no, I'll do the important stuff. You just do the menial tasks. That is not what's going on here. This word helper is a person who is equal in usefulness and need. Someone who corresponds to is what God says. This, this word of helper is the same word that's used for God helping Israel all throughout the Old Testament. Now think about that. The same word, etzer, here I raise my Eben etzer. We don't sing it that way. We say Ebenezer. But that's the word, etzer, helper. Here I raise my helper. Here's, that, that word is, etzer, is what God refers to himself as when he is helping Israel through a hard time or fighting a battle for Israel. Now, does that sound like hold my light? No. Okay, we have to be careful here, though. This doesn't mean either that women are superior to men. Well, men just couldn't hack it, so I had to give them a woman to make sure they could handle everything in the garden. It's not that either. The point in that word etzer being uh, the same word that's used for God as is used for the woman is that she was not lesser. We all know, I should hope, that woman is not God to the man. God's not going to share any of the glory with a man or a woman. But what she was was not lesser than the man who did the menial tasks. Because we would never say God in his etzerness, his helpfulness to Israel or to us, is less than us somehow. God, now, is that how we treat him sometimes? God, hold the light for me. God, get me this tool. God, get me that. God, do this for me so this will be easier. Yes, but that does not mean that's who he is. And that does not mean who the woman is. She wasn't inferior. She wasn't a mere assistant to boss Adam. She was a helper corresponding to him, equal in usefulness and need. Woman needs man, and man must have his mate that no one can deny. There are songs for everything. What's the name of that song? It's from uh, Casablanca. A kiss is still a kiss. But that's the line, right? A woman, woman needs man, and man must have his mate. They go together. He was right. Way down in Casablanca, Sam was singing about it. And the other times this word is used is for a deliverer. God, thank you, as time goes by is the name of the song. You had to sing the whole thing to get to the end of it. I couldn't do that up here. It would have been a distraction. Um, the other times this word is used of God, he is a deliverer, delivering Israel from their problems, delivering them from other armies, delivering them from, in this case, Egypt. And she, the woman, is a deliverer in a couple of different ways. One, she delivers him, delivers Adam from solitude, delivers him from his loneliness. And the first time he speaks, he says something like, first time Adam speaks, he says something like, wow. And because this is finally someone that I need, someone that, that fits me. 
because we're going to talk about it in just a second, but he's gone through all the animals and nothing else fits. It's a deliverer that saves from solitude and in fact will eventually bring forth the Savior. Man will be delivered because of the birth from a woman, no man required, of the, salv- of the Savior of the world. Now, we talk about a helper, right? Jesus will come from a woman, and no man will be involved in it. Only God. So, that's the, the, the purpose of the relationship. The purpose of, of a woman for the man. A helper that corresponds, God says, to uh, the man. Then we see the source of relationships purpose of relationships, now the source of relationships. Verses 19 and 20. Well, the source is is God first, of course, but it's also Adam. Now, it's in verse 19 that we learn that uh, God brought every animal, every bird of the sky to the man, and what he would call it, that would be its name. I would have just I would have loved to have been there. I mean, why? Of course, he was speaking a language. I don't know what language he was speaking at the time. Right? None of us do. It wasn't English. Probably wasn't Hebrew. All the languages. That's just a curiosity. We don't know. But why didn't he call the elephants the fat, long, nosy thing? You know, I, I just that that whole that whole process just blows my mind that 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 he got to name all the animals and 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 do, do you think it's like oh, oh, oh horse okay wait a minute that one looks like a horse too except its ears are longer oh, donkey yeah you know just that that's a fat horse well it's a hippopotamus um, yeah that's a horse with a horn oh, that's a rhinoceros yeah just this this whole thing maybe I'm the only one that thinks about this because I'm weird but this was the first act of Adam subduing and ruling creation which was the command he created man to subdue and rule the earth and this was that first act and in naming all of these animals and looking at everything no helper among the subdued no, nothing that corresponded to Adam. Now, was this a surprise to God? Was God going up there, all right, name him Adam, and he's looking at the angel and saying, well, hopefully he'll find somebody to help him out, because I don't know what we're going to do if he doesn't. Yeah. All right, you know, and he's thinking, well, monkeys, chimpanzee, gorilla, yeah, close, but no, a little too hairy, move along, you know. No, no God knew, but Adam didn't. Adam went through the, the animal kingdom showed his authority over them, but was learning that he would not have relationship with them. There was nothing that corresponded to him. There was nothing that would take away the loneliness in the animal kingdom. Because animals weren't uh, intended to take that place. They can't fulfill the command to be fruitful and multiply with Adam. They, animals can't subdue the earth, can't uh, um, 
rule over creation. That's not the, the, the way they were created. People need people. And ultimately, uh, an animal can't disciple you. As we read Ephesians and the importance of marriage and how marriage is a picture of the gospel, well, those relationships, human-to-animal relationships, they can't do the things that God set up for a man and a woman to do. The, per, the source of the relationship was God saying, nothing else fits, nothing else works. So God says, it's not good for him to be alone. Adam, you don't realize it, but here are all the animals. Name them. What do you find in there that, that corresponds to you? Uh, a helper uh, for you. But for the man, no helper was found corresponding to him. But verses 21 and 22, we see that the problem is fixed. And we see the quality of relationships. The purpose is because man's alone. The source is God because there's nothing else out there. And then we see the quality of it here. Not just what it's made of, but how intense it is. God puts Adam to sleep temporarily. Euth- uh, not euthanize, the other one. Anesthesia, anesthetize. The Lord God uh, caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. Now this is just me, but was it necessary to say, and he slept? He caused a deep sleep, and he slept. And that's redundant, and there's a lot of redundancy in Scripture. That's just kind of the way, one, we remember things. But two, it shows us that God caused something, and it happened. It's what, what we've seen right through, through chapter 1. God said, and it was. Here in chapter 2, showing uh, continuity with chapter 1, different order, different uh, focus on each chapter, but Moses knew what was going on. It's the same God. God spoke, and it was. God right here spoke. God caused a deep sleep, and he slept. Verse 21, rather 22, no, I was right, 21. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Uh, if you remember the message from last year, I, I told you, the language here is it, we, we say rib, but when this word, is, this word is actually used also for buildings to talk about a wall or a section, it's a part, a, a better translation, it just sounds weirder. I don't know how you can sound weirder than taking a rib out. But anyway, it says God grabbed a handful from the side of the man. So it's just, you know, it's like he's made of clay, which we are. And he pulls it out and he smooths it back over. And he takes that handful and I'm assuming adds dirt to it in this creative act and forms a woman out of it. Man comes from the side, a woman rather, comes from the side of man. He creates her and he brings her to him. 
That, that pulling from the side tells us the quality of the relationship, the quality of the creation. Man and woman share a strength, share and, and make a unity. They complete each other. Jerry Maguire was right when he said, you complete me. That's exactly right. That is what man and woman were supposed to do, was to complete each other. It is almost like, and we don't want to take it too far, but it is almost like when a husband and wife come together, that part that was taken out of him is now put back to him. He is incomplete without her and then complete with her. That's the image. That's the picture. That's the quality of the relationship between man and woman. Is there any question why sanctity of marriage is so important in Scripture and in life? Because there is a completing act between the two, between man and woman. Woman is taken from his side to be the then when they become one flesh, as he says here in just a couple of verses, but taken from his side to be by his side. Again, this is a, somewhere we don't want to take it too far and, and say too much about it, but we want to say enough about it. Any position but his side is the wrong position for a wife. Not above him, not below him, but with him. A helper, a useful, necessary, corresponding part of each other. And then, down the road, right, man comes from woman. Y'all know how that works. It, it, it is a recir- uh, recirculating, reciprocating relationship over and over and over again. Something we'd have never dreamed up if it had been left up to us. From his side to be by his side. That's the quality of the relationship. Again, let me remind you that Moses is teaching this to Israel. That have seen relationship after relationship fouled up. But God is also prophesying here. He is telling the people to prepare for what's coming because he knows he's going to, that Israel's going to have problems like Ahab and Jezebel down the road, where Jezebel ruled at least the home, where the relationship was wrong, where, he wa- where she was above, and she, Ahab in part because of Jezebel, led Israel to worship Jezebel's gods. But we go back to Judges 19 through 21, where woman was way under man. That wasn't the plan either. All of this, Genesis uh, through um, uh, Leviticus, all of that is preparing the people for what's coming. Uh, through Deuteronomy, sorry. Is, is preparing the people both for what is coming and telling them what has been. The quality of the relationship is to be unity, completion, strength, side by side. That's relationship. 
That's the husband and wife relationship. And the husband and wife relationship is the pinnacle of all relationships. God is saying, you know what your relationship with your fellow man should be? Look at how I set up man and wife. Yeah, you don't share everything, but you see how intimate, how close, how one-to-one the ratio, the relationship is? That is how you are to, be, uh, you are to relate to each other. New Testament, really, he goes even further, and it's not, he doesn't even wait till the New Testament. He says it in Deuteronomy. Love your neighbor as yourself. No one hates their own body, Jesus will say. Well, the Bible says that the husband and the wife are the one, so you see how we are to, our husband and wife relationships are a model to the world of how we're supposed to treat each other. Paul's going to say in Ephesians, I said Jesus said that, I believe Paul said it. Um, Paul says in Ephesians that our marriages are pictures of the gospel. The way we as believers interact, the way our marriages look to the world are supposed to be pictures of the gospel. That's heavy. But that's because This relationship is the pinnacle of all relationships. Man said, Adam said, this one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. This is why man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Uh, This is the first dad joke in in, in all of the world, because the word for man is ish, and the one word for woman is isha. So Adam makes the, ooh, this is isha because it came from ish. Now we don't get it, but y'all never get dad jokes. They're always good and y'all don't laugh. But um, Eve probably laughed. She probably rolled her eyes. Yeah, it was the first eye roll as well. But that's what he is, he's saying here. It's the, it's the unity. It, it, we're not, it, it's not man and something way different, you know, he's, he's gone through all the good names like elephant and rhinoceros and he didn't call her a cow, that's good, um, and, and all these things, you know, all those names, it's, well, all those are taken, what am I going to do? I'll just, well, I'll just change what I am a little bit. No, it, it wasn't, he wasn't hunting for a name, it was finally, this is something that matches me. Again, we, we are, we're, even our name is, 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 one, she is different. She's got the ah on the end, which I'm all in favor of. I'm ish, and she's ish. Ah, I don't know if that's what he meant, but more dad jokes, right? But thank you all for laughing. I appreciate it. And he looks and says, this is great. God knows this is great. Already told us, right? Chapter one, man and woman, he created and it was very good. It was very good. What was not good was man's aloneness. But now it's very good. And Adam goes, second, he agrees. They have to have each other to fulfill the command to be fruitful and multiply. We're taught that. They, the, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife. And they become one flesh. 
this is something different. It's brand new. You create. When you leave mom and dad, both sides, you create a new family. And that is the most important part for that husband and wife. That's why we cut the umbilical cords. We're not attached anymore. We also let go of the apron strings. We use that phrase when we're not wanting to be quite as icky as umbilical cords. But, you know, never cut the apron strings, never cut the cord. No, we're supposed to. We leave man and woman. And the most important relationship now is that husband and wife relationship. Everything else is severed. Y'all, I can't tell you how many marriages I've seen dissolve because somebody couldn't cut cords. Whether it didn't matter which side, it didn't matter which child, man, woman, it doesn't matter. That if we don't, we will hinder our marriages. Because this is the most important relationship now. The husband and the wife, the man and the woman now have new priorities. Yes, we read scripture. And we see that the, the son would still live in the area and would still pay homage to the, the parents and, and usually would work the land. And that was about passing down the, 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 uh, the inheritance and, and making sure that the family business continued because you didn't go off to college and learn a new job like we do today. You did what your parents did and, and you tried to do that better and build on it. But when the husband and wife came together, though, they were something brand new. And it is a new covenant of permanence. It was a permanent thing. They, it, one flesh. We don't go around usually taking hunks out of ourselves and just throwing them away uh, because, well, that's usually bad. But when a marriage is severed, that is what is happening because the husband and wife are now one flesh. Adam and Eve rejoined the flesh that was taken from Adam. I wonder if he had a scar. Or, if, I mean, I know God's a better plastic surgeon, surgeon than we have today, but I wonder, did he smooth it over perfectly? Or, or is it just, was, it a, was that his belly button? Because, you know, he probably didn't have one. Uh, but was that it? You know, he always knew that right here, that's where Eve came from. Or maybe he didn't. Maybe he, maybe he didn't know the, the story. I don't know if God told him where Eve came from or what. We're not told that. These are the weird things I think about. But what I do know is that they came back together. And that peace joined Adam again. But it wasn't just the peace, it was so much more. And husbands and wives do that symbolically now. We, as husbands and wives, come back together. We rejoin Adam and Eve symbolically. I ain't going to make it too mystical or weird, um, but that's what we are doing. So we get to a question here, I believe, of, 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 of our memory verse. He created them male and female. There's no room in this, in any of this, throughout Scripture, but in the way God set it up, there's no room for same-sex marriage. There's no room for, well, I was born one way, but I'm really this other. No, there are two sexes, and, and that's, we, we either have two X chromosomes or, two, or an X and a Y chromosome, and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you have a third thrown in there, and you get all sorts of issues, but we recognize that as outside the norm. 
But we don't get to say, well, I'm two X's, but I'm really a Y, or I'm an XY. By the way, men have the Y, and women have the two X's, in case you didn't know that. Um, I, I know I have XY, but I really shouldn't, shouldn't have had the Y. I should have had the X. No, we don't, we don't get to. That's not the way God set it up. It's not the way God created it, because he created male and female very good, and he put husband and wife together and said, this fixes the not good of man's loneliness. Again, he didn't create a man to go with woman. You don't have one flesh unity. You don't have multiplication in same-sex relationships. And our relationships with each other, friends, family, those are not the same, though they are important, they're not the same as husband and wife relationship. We need, we were created for husband-wife relationships. Now, the questions are going to come up, what about divorce, what about singleness? Well, we know divorce was never the plan. Um, that d- divorce, even Moses says, you, you, I, I grant you divorces because of the hardness of your hearts. Divorce is a result of sinfulness. Singleness, not a sin, but not, a plan, not the plan. That's not what we were created for. Remember, everything post-fruit eating is a, a distortion of what things should be. So singleness isn't the plan. And as I thought about this this week and thought about saying those very words, I, I, I wondered, okay, if the fruit had not been eaten, would there always be the same number of men and women. How would that have worked? I don't know. I didn't come to a conclusion. I just know that it was not good for man to be alone, and God created them. And the relationship was perfect, and the plan was perfect, and everything about it was perfect until sin. So now we have to deal with the result of that, the result of fallenness. And, and sometimes God calls people to singleness. Paul says that, right? You, some of you are called to be single, and that is okay because of ministry, because of, of loyalty to God. But the reason some people are called to singleness is, Paul says, because they would basically serve two masters. There would be a division of loyalty. Sometimes I want to serve my family. Sometimes I want to serve God. So God says, nope, you're just not going to have a family, so it's not an issue. That, that was Paul's situation, as best we can tell. But you notice the problem? Sin. Division is, is sin. Division of loyalty is sin. Being widowed wasn't the plan. Because the plan was the tree of life. The plan was some sort of immortality, whether it was inherent to the humans or, as I believe, the eating of the fruit brought immortality. So widowhood was never going to be an issue either. Relationship wasn't the plan, or what rather was the plan. But now, even in widowhood, loneliness isn't the plan. Relationships are necessary. It isn't good for those who have lost a spouse. Relationship. And as we saw in the IMB video, we see the importance of relationship in sharing the gospel. But before we get there, the last, we see the purity in relationships in verse 25 to get us through our section this morning. 
The purity of relationships. Both he and his wife, both the man and his wife, were naked yet felt no shame. Shame here is, is any number of things. Uh, it's, it, Israel was, Israelites, Middle Eastern culture was big on no nudity. It was, it was, it was always bad. Um, and and, and that's, that's good. That's fine. So there's some of that, but, but shame had a deeper issue. It was, shame was not sinful, but it was most often brought about by sin. There was no sin in their relationship. This was a perfect relationship, and that's, that's the big picture of this verse, is that the relationship between Adam and Eve was perfect. And he chose this phrase just because, well, it, it lets us uh, get into the, them covering themselves up after they sinned. It was a simple way to show their, their knowledge of, their, uh, of sin now, the knowledge of good and evil. But it's a transitional verse to show the terrible change that sin is going to bring. Because Israel, because the Middle East in general had such a view of nakedness, it was scandalous, even for the listeners this day, the idea that they were naked. Oh my goodness. Egypt had much more uh, liberal view of the body, and they had just come from that. So they were not going to be that. Greeks, Romans, I mean, we get down into the, 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 the carvings and, and, and all that, and it, big time different uh, set of priorities. So for them to hear they were naked, that is an extreme picture of the purity of this relationship, the, an extreme picture of the purity of a sinless people that's about to get ruined. Next few verses. I think it's also a, a picture of the innocence and, and purity of relationships. Sin's messed it all up. Messed it all up. But husband and wives should be transparent, should be Honest, open, bared, naked with each other in, in all things, not just physically. And every relationship is broken by sin. Every one of them. The beginning of relationships. God, has, God had a plan and he set the plan in motion. He ordered it and he provided everything a man needed. And then he said, but there's one more thing the man needs. I'm going to provide relationship and it's going to be reciprocal. It is going to be complementary. It's going to be, uh, they're going to be a part of each other. And this will be perfect. And then sin ruined it. And so you have in movies like uh, When Harry Met Sally where the whole theme of the movie is a man and a woman can't be friends because they're always, there's always going to be something underlying. That's the whole plot of the movie. Great music, bad theme. Um, but that's what, we, that's what sin has done. To where you, 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 you can't have a friendship, some would say. Every relationship is broken by sin. Divorce is a result of sin. Death, widowhood, is a result of sin. Everything is, is marred by sin. And then, to hear our testimony from uh, our Uruguayan sister in Christ, 
It was relationship that led her to Christ. So as broken as they are, as difficult as they are to maintain, right spouses? It is still, thank you, there you go. It is still what God calls us to, relationship. It's never going to be perfect, but it's always necessary. We need each other. God said the church is a body because that is the best image of relationship. The gospel is a marriage. The church is a body. Because every part works together. Every part needs the other. It's just relationship. And God is telling the people of Israel, look, you, <laughs> you have ruined every relationship you, you, you've had. You, you ruined the relationship with me when you're disobedient. And guess what? Y'all are going to ruin the relationship again. You don't know it yet, but I'm, working, I'm putting in the, the, the clauses to the contract because you're gonna, when you get to the promised land and you, and you get the king that you want, and I'm telling you not to have, you do all these things, you're going to ruin it again. You're going to ruin the relationship with me again because of your relationships with everybody else, because of your relationships with false religions and false gods and idols. You're going to ruin it, but you know what? I'm going to send one more relationship. Oh, it's a relationship like you can't imagine. It's a Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's a Trinitarian relationship. It's me. I'm, I'm coming and the second person of the Trinity, God in the flesh, the, the, the second person of this one being, I'm going to come to earth and show you how to do relationship right. And you're going to kill him. Because there's just no way y'all can handle that sort of relationship. But you know what? That's part of the relationship, too. He, he comes to die. The baby born to die. All for relationship. Relationship with Jesus is God's gift to you. Relationship with Jesus is God's design. It's the plan. See, we've seen God's design, God's order, God's perfect plan. And I've told you that sin messes that up. Next slide, please, Pat. Sin breaks that order. Sin breaks that plan. Sin ruins that design. And some of us think the husband-wife relationship is going to fix it. doesn't. And some of us think some other relationship is going to fix it, and it won't. And we think this substance or that substance, or this plan and this plan, or this item or this house, or this boat or whatever, and we have all these fixes for the brokenness, and nothing fixes the brokenness because God's design is never going to be repaired by our design. If a rocket ship won't fly, you don't call me to fix it, right? I don't think you call anybody in here to fix it. The closest would be Craig, because he works on airplanes. But, but I don't think NASA's called him to get any of the rockets to space, because I think that even that's a little, little outside what he does. You, because my design is not, well, put wings on it. 
put more fire under it. Mm, eh, probably not going to work because I'm way under that design. We are way under God's design outside of our pay grade. And God knew it. God said, the relationship is broken. Your relationships are broken. My relationship with you is broken. Therefore, I'm going to send one, the baby in the manger, who 33 years later died on the cross. I'm going to send one to fix the relationship. That's the gospel. God in the flesh dying on the cross to save you and me from our sins. And if we will repent of our sins and believe in Jesus... We begin to recover and then pursue God's design in our lives. And we get something like what he planned. Are you still a sinner? Yeah. Is the world still broken? Yeah. Are our relationships still broken? Yes. But as we pursue his design, as we pursue sanctification, as we become more like him, and we tell others about him, about Jesus, and the relationship they can have with him, they begin to pursue God's design. They begin to recover what God intended. And as the gospel spreads and people are discipled and follow Jesus, we see a whole different world. We see relationships healed. And that's God's plan. That's God's design. That's God's relationship with us. Pray with me. Father, we, we worship you as creator to the created, rather, as created to the creator. We worship you as unworthy and unable to pursue you, to see you, to understand you, to, to fix the brokenness in our world. We, we get that it's broken, we get that we weren't there, but we also get that we live with the repercussions and the consequences, and therefore we need you. We need that relationship with you. And we, we see a hint of the relationship we can have with you through what you planned from the beginning. We see perfection. We see sinlessness. We see unity. We see completion. And God, that's what a relationship with you through Jesus Christ does with our lives. Unity with you. Completion of our lives. A relationship with our Creator. God, may we have that relationship with you. I thank you for those who have trusted Jesus Christ as, the, as their Savior, repented of their sins, and believed on him for salvation. I pray for those who have not. Either they, because they have not understood their need for a Savior, or those that have not, uh, or have decided they don't need it. They've decided they can figure it out. They can do it on their own. They are strong enough, smart enough, whatever enough to fix the brokenness in their lives. Lord, show them by your spirit drawing or by wrecking their lives. Show them that they can't fix the brokenness. Their fixes only create more issues. God, that only you can fix the brokenness of our lives. And Lord, when it comes to our relationships, 
Well, if I would just, and if they would just, if he would just, or if she would just, no, if we would just fix our relationship with you, focus on you. Truth is, Lord, that might not fix all those relationships. Sometimes it's going to make make them worse because they're not going to follow you and we are. But when we go to the author of relationship and we give you our relationships, we don't have to worry about the relationships anymore because they're in your hands. And that's a great place to be. God, we give it all to you because you're the creator of it. You're the sustainer of it. You're the provider for it. You're the governor of it. And we give you our relationships too. Thank you for the good ones and we pray for the bad ones. Most of all, we worship you for the one that we can have with Jesus through faith, by grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So maybe you need to take a next step. You need to take up your cross and follow Jesus, live your life for him, follow him, be baptized, submit to your will, or his will in your life, give up your will, submit to his will, conform your life to him, join our church, Whatever your decision is, share that with us this morning. Come, let us pray with you. Someone here on the front, someone in the back. If you are online, you want to message us, let us know. That would be great. This is your opportunity to worship through giving this morning. I finally remembered, so this uh, QR code is on the screen. If you want to give online or the, uh, the offering boxes in the back, you can give there as well. But now is your time to worship him through your response to him. Let's stand, let's sing, let's worship him this morning.